our, our third and final guest um, is uh, John uh, Tufel. Uh, uh, John is the uh, uh, author of a monthly column for the Independent called This Month in Eric Adams. Uh, he's worked in the past as a um, investigator at the Civilian Complaint Review Board. He's a independent litigator who's won some important uh, cases around freedom of information, uh, forcing NYPD to divulge uh, info that it wouldn't otherwise want to share with the public. And he's um, a freelance writer as well. And he's been uh, contributing this wonderful monthly column uh, that has really delved into uh, some of the uh, deeper significance and of various actions of the Adams administration. And this month he wrote the cover story uh, for our print edition uh, called Welcome to the Fear Factory, How the Mayor, the Cops, and the Corporate Media Make It Impossible to Solve NYC's Many Challenges. John, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, John. Good to be here. All uh, right. So uh, uh, first, uh, can, you, uh, can you tell us about the inspiration to uh, start uh, writing about the mayor in, in your uh, both uh, uh, dire and, and hilarious and ex- extremely attentive manner? <laughs> well, thank you for that. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I thought that Eric Adams, once it became clear that he was running for mayor, I thought that he would win. He is the type of politician who historically in recent history in New York uh, tends to rise to the top. And um, I thought he was going to be a disaster. I mean, and I wasn't unique in thinking this, obviously, um, but I suspected he would be even worse than de Blasio. And we remember how that all turned out. And uh, I wanted to kind of figure out what his deal is, because Eric Adams obviously is um, he's not just sort of this politically repugnant person. He's also just a generally very odd man. Um, he is like fascinating in the same way that Donald Trump is fascinating. He has these uh, quirks of personality. Um, he tends to be very uh, loose with his speech. Uh, he tends to go off topic and kind of just say whatever comes in his head. And he's fascinating to observe. And, uh, you know, before he came to power, I was also um, very involved, as a lot of New Yorkers are, in the movement to defund, reform, abolish, whatever you want to whatever word you want to use, the police in New York. And, you know, Adams is a former police officer. So I thought nothing good could come of that, of putting a former uh, NYPD officer in charge of our city. So, um, yeah, I, I think I wrote that that initial column um, going through his first wild month where every other day there seemed to be some new crazy story about this man. And um, we, you know, uh, went for, it went from there. And uh, I've been writing now about him every month for the last, uh, I guess, seven or eight months. Uh, we've been uh, carrying your columns on independent.org, our, our website, and then you were able to sort of synthesize some of what you had written before and, and build off of it for this uh, cover story in our in our print edition. But uh, can you talk a little bit, I mean, about obviously one of the central themes of the Adams administration, which is uh, really the emphasis on on crime and uh, and fear mongering around crime and um, why that's been both incredibly effective for him, but is also now turning into a a double edged sword that he maybe doesn't quite know uh, how to handle. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think I think whether you're a fan of Eric Adams or a detractor of Eric Adams, you would agree that he came to power largely because of this uh, 
this perceived rise in crime in New York City, uh, that he was he sold himself as the only person who can solve this uh, nearly intractable issue. He is the former police officer. He is not some soft leftist. He's not even a liberal. He is willing to be tough on crime. And that is how he came to power. I mean, that's how he sold himself. And to do that, he had the help of the New York City media infrastructure, which, um, you know, the New York Post is the most obvious one, but also our local news media uh, in creating this sort of culture of fear that exists in New York City, where it seems as though every time you turn around and read a headline or watch a news story on your local news, it's about some murder happening. Or if there's no murder that day, they run a story about a robbery or something of that nature. And I mean, this is how Eric Adams came to power. And he came to power in opposition to the defund the police movement to saying he will be the one who funds the police. And uh, he has now found out, uh, you know, seven months into his mayorality, he has found out that it is not so easy to unflip that switch. Essentially, he has spent the past year and change flipping the fear switch in New Yorkers. And I think we see this not only in polls. I mean, the Siena poll that came out a couple of weeks ago said 70% of New Yorkers are, uh, are fearful, are scared of crime in their life. And, uh, I, you know, I think a lot of us can even see it in our own lives. Maybe we know people. I mean, I know people like, you know, good, smart people who will say, I am scared to take the subway at night nowadays. Um, so, I mean, he came to power on that and he's realizing that now it's hard to unflip that switch, that he cannot just get people to stop being scared, even though it is now hurting his poll numbers, because now there is this perception that he is powerless, that he cannot bring crime down. Uh, that crime just keeps going up, up, up. Um, and there actually is a little bit of truth to that, and we could talk about that, but uh, that he's now seeing that he cannot easily solve this problem of crime because his solutions have never been actual solutions to the problem of crime. Uh, and he's sort of in a box, and I don't think he knows exactly what to do about it. And now you see him kind of trying to change the subject a little bit. Right. And, and I think one of the uh, fascinating things about uh the article you, you wrote for us this month is also the the way you look at the the intersection of Adams and, and the media. I mean, can you talk a little bit more about the role of the New York Post, the infamous right wing tabloid here in the city, but also the way uh, they're a really a catalyst for all the local so much of the local television news coverage, uh, which is watched uh uh, by especially by older voters who play a key role in New York City politics. Yeah, absolutely. So let me give you so I let me give you an interesting little uh, set of statistics. So in 2002, which I'm very focused on 2002 because it was the year I moved to New York, and at the time New York was considered, uh, you know, the it was the heyday of the miracle of New York that crime had gone down so so much uh, that, you know, my parents didn't worry when I moved to the city uh, that I could go about freely and not be scared. That year, there were 587 murders in, uh, in New York City. Last year, 
there were 488 murders in New York City. And last year, you'll recall, was the year that we first heard this crime narrative, that crime is rising precipitously, that we're all under fire. Now, the New York Post, the New York Post does a, a very um, convenient thing. They they put all their cover stories because the Post has some great covers. They have punny, fun little covers. So they put all their covers online. So you can go look at all of their cover stories. So I looked at, remember, 2002, there were more murders happening than there are now by by a substantial margin. So I looked at how many cover stories were in the New York Post about crime in 2002 in the month of May. There were three stories about crime that made the cover, and two of them were about a cop who got drunk and uh, ran someone over. So there was really only one story about a violent crime in New York. If you look at May of 2022, New York Post covers, you know how many of those stories were about New York crimes, New York City crimes? Fifteen of them. Fifteen of them. Fifteen out of 31. Fifteen out of 31 versus one out of 31 when there was more crime happening in 2002 than there is now. So the New York Post is kind of a great example of how facts can be disregarded in service of pushing this narrative. The Post is just, and as you said, I mean, the Post is just the most obvious example because they are so far right wing that they don't disguise it, you know, but the local newscasts do the exact same thing. Right. And uh, right. We're we're down to our final uh, minute here before we're going to have to uh, uh, leave. But one of the things that's, comes to mind when you say all this is is in the past Rudy Giuliani and Michael Bloomberg were hailed for making New York a, a safe city the safest big city in the country uh, according to some and and the, yes the the murder rates were higher then than they are now when we're supposedly living in this um, dire situation and obviously for anybody who is a victim of crime it, it it's a very traumatic experience but overall in a city of almost nine million people. Uh, we're much safer than we were 20 years ago, much less 30 or 40 years ago. Yes, that's exactly true. Uh, I mean, crime has risen. It is true that crime has risen, and it's actually risen even more during the Adams administration because his solution of just endlessly increasing the funding of the police. We've got 15 seconds. Ah, okay. Well, John, thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful to be here, and um, thanks for all your uh, efforts with The Independent and with this show. Sure. Well, uh, for everybody who's... uh, uh, interested, I encourage you to uh, pick up a copy of The Independent or find us online at independent.org and uh, see John's uh, cover story there as well. I uh, want to thank our board operator, Reggie uh, Johnson, also uh, Amber Gagarian, the co-host. And uh, we'll be back same time next week. Uh, and the uh, song we're leaving here with is Don't Lie, a new release from Ty Siegel. 